Hallelujah. Aren't you glad God made Eve last? I don't know why. I don't know why God made Eve last. That she would not tell him how to make the world. You guys didn't get it. You guys just didn't get it. By the time she came, it was all there already. She couldn't change a thing. You understand that? Amen. All right. Let's go to the book of Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. Praise God. Everybody say, I love Jesus. All right. Romans chapter 11. And I believe in verse... Uh, mm, we're going to turn to verse uh, 25. Romans chapter 11. And it says here, For I would not, brethren, between the church people, that you be not ignorant of this one, this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness in part has happened to Israel. When, when you look on the nation of Israel, look, they don't have one eye, please. But they're blinded spiritually. Blindness has happened to Israel in part until the Gentiles come in. Let me explain that to you one more time. If you can imagine Israel, and you see, she's looking through a veil. Now, if I have a veil like this, I'm not going to see too much. That's how Israel is looking at God, Jesus Christ. But we, the Christians, are looking at Him through a glass, darkly. Which of us have a better revelation of God? The Gentile has. That's why the Gentile embraced Jesus Christ as God, and the Israelites cannot embrace Him as God. There's a veil upon their face, and you cannot tell what's behind that veil. You know, those people in the Middle East who are killing people, they hide behind a veil. They do not want others to retaliate on them later on. So they hide their faces behind a veil. Now, if they really are bold, they'll take the mask off. Let everybody know who they are. But they will not do that because they know revenge will take place, right? Now, by the same token, Israel got a veil on. And so she's looking at God, Christ Jesus, and she don't think he's Almighty God. So you're just a man trying to make yourself God. And here we are worshiping Jesus Christ as God. And they say, you guys are pagans. Are we pagans or do we have a revelation of who Jesus is? And we believe that Jesus Christ was in the world, and the world was made by him, was made for him. And Isaiah said, I alone stretch out the heavens by myself. All right, you may be seated. I want to talk to you about the time of the Gentiles. We are in prophetic days. I'm going to tell you this very carefully right now. We are in the last days. The last days. Now, to understand the last days... You must understand this chart. Look at this chart. Now, I don't have my better pointer with me. I'm going to point some things out to you. Here's the beginning of creation, way over here. The first day of creation. I'm going to tell you, every creative day, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, hello, day, are actually 7,000 years long. You say, well, how do you know that? I can prove it to you. You know what? You are in the sixth creative day. From Adam, right here, from Adam, all the way, all the way up to right here, 
to Revelation 21 is sixth creative day, the sixth day. The sixth day. Pastor Dean, how do you know that? Well, it's Bible says the evening and the morning was a day. Is that right? And now, not only that, I know, but also, Jesus Christ came in the fullness of time. Here is the birth and the coming of Jesus Christ. On the cross, right here, is the end of an Old Testament period. And beyond the cross, on this side, is the New Testament period. So everything on your left, on your left from the cross going up to Adam and Eve, that's Old Testament. Everything from the cross going this to the end of the time of the coming of Christ the second time is New Testament. And we know when I say the year 2014, you say, since what? And I say, since the birth of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. 2014 A.D. Since Christ came. And everything before that was called, hello, before Christ. And we count from way from Adam all the way to the last man, Jesus Christ, the last Adam, the Bible says it's called the last Adam. We got what? 4,000 years. 4,000 years. That means, I understand by the scripture, there's going to be a millennium. That's only going to be 1,000 years long. 1,000 years long. Uh, that means from Christ to the millennium will be 3,000 years. And I can prove it to you in just a moment in the chart here. But take a good look. Now, we're not here. Where are we today? Right now in Bible prophecy. Now, I don't care what the newspaper says and what TV says and radio says. I'm going to do what the Bible says. We are, without any doubt, right here. We're seeing blindness is coming off Israel. And Israel that was scattered around the world are now making it back home. Like the prophet says she would. It's called the repatriation of a people that were in exile for many, many years. And the prophet said they would return. Now, when they start returning, every Gentile should be trembling in their boots. You know why? Because God did visit the Gentiles while Israel were dispersed around the world, blinded. Think about it. When they were cast off, we were reconciled. When they're brought back in, we will be broken off. Now, so I'm going to talk to you about this wonderful image. The Goliath of the superpowers of the world. But you need to know where we are in time. Understand where we are. This is the entire Bible you're looking at in the map right here. Now, let me explain what Gentile mean. In your Bible, in the 10th chapter of the book of Genesis, you'll find the origin of nations. The origin of people 
whether by Gentile or Jews, they all came from Shem, Ham, and Japheth. They came into existence after the flood. Right here. After the flood. Amen. The rainbow represented the seven continents of the world. The colors of the world. Represent the nations of the world. And God made a covenant with all of the nations of the world that He would not destroy this world with fire 100%. Now, it didn't say regionally He wouldn't do it, but globally He would not do it. Now, and so we understand the Tower of Babel came into existence. After the Tower of Babel, God dispersed the earth with people. Shem, Ham, Japheth's sons went around the world and that's why you are where you are today. But before God dispersed them, He gave them new languages. Language. The earth was of one language. We can prove that. In the 11th chapter of the book of Genesis, it says the earth was of one language. We all spake one language. We were all one. There was no racism. There was no division. There was no segregation. They were one. And God gave them language differences, and they dispersed. Now, with the flood, the earth got divided up. Now, what God did, God, from the Hamitic race, they populate Africa. From the Japhetic race, they populate Europe, etc. And the Semites, they populate the Middle East, which we call Middle East today. That's a fact. Now, we're going to see the Semitic reign over the entire world for a thousand years, under the leadership of Jesus Christ. It's going to be a kingdom that is not going to be in place by nuclear bombs, etc., but by the sword of his mouth. He will speak and things will happen. Now, when you look at this history of the Old Testament from Exodus to Malachi in your Bible, go there and you'll find those 38 books, because there are 39 books back there, 38 books is about one family, Israel. Not about Canadians and Americans and Russians and Germans, etc. It's about one people on earth, not Africans, not Canadians. It's about Israelites and their people with God. First with Abraham, then Isaac, then Jacob, then the twelve sons of Jacob. And they became a family, and the family became a nation. And the nation became a kingdom. And the Bible says, no, they became a kingdom at Mount Sinai, right? At Mount Sinai they became, what, when they left Egypt? Became a mighty nation. And now, we Gentiles are in the world without God. We have no covenant, no access to God. If we did, it wasn't on the organized basis as the rest of Israel. So you're outsider, I'm an outsider. And we never got in the kingdom of God until Jesus Christ came. When he came, he broke down walls that were between Israelites and the rest of the world to gather on the two people, Jews and Gentiles. That's all there is. To God, there's no such thing as Canadian and Americans and Africans and, and South Sac and German. No, no, no. God said, you are either a Gentile are you an Israelite? That's all there is. That's how God sees us. And when God, amen, worked with Israel, 
they are a distinct people. You don't know this, but it's a fact. The geography of Jerusalem, that is the center of the earth. You may not know this, but between the Tigris River and the river Euphrates, that's where the Garden of Eden was. That's where Abraham was called out from to look for a promised land. And he went down towards Jerusalem, the seat of our God. He was there for a while. Now, look at this here. All the scriptures you read, all the prophets, there are no Gentile prophets in the Old Testament. There are no Gentile kings in Israel. There are no Gentile priests in that system. They're all from their own pedigree. That does not mean that Gentiles didn't have kingdoms. Because the Bible says God said there were seven nations stronger and more powerful than Israel was. And God drove them out and placed Israel in their place. The Perizzites, the Ivites, etc., etc. God drove them out and put Israel there. That's what we're fighting over today. The land possession. God said, Israel, you're in the land of promise. Now go possess it. It meant Joshua had to destroy 31 kingdoms and give it to the people of Israel. It was theirs as long as they keep his covenant and commandment. But when they didn't, God brought upon them problems and Babylon came on them and took for captivity for how many years? Seventy years. After seventy years, God raised up revivalists and restore their worship. When God restored their worship, what did God do to them? God re rebuilt their cities. And they did that because of necessity it had to be until Messiah comes. Well, Messiah, Isaiah 9 6, tell you who the Messiah was. That's Jesus Christ, born of a Virgin Mary, and that was God amongst us, right? Emmanuel, God with us. Now, when he comes, right, he was going to preach and gave us Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. These are the writers who heard him spoke and watched him act and tell us what he said. I want to talk to you about this image right here. Now, the prophets are the ones that talk to us about this image. In Daniel chapter 2, will you turn there in your Bible, please? And you better understand this. There are many false prophets in our world. But there are true prophets still in our world. And prophets are men of God who speak as the oracle of God. I'm going to tell you, God alone can define which king is going to reign, which king will not reign, which nation will be strong, and which will be weak. God says the heavens rule. And the heaven is in control. Now, everything in our world today is not a surprise to God. God is omniscient. He knows all things. God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He doesn't need your help and my help. He can do anything He wants to. But He does choose to work through weak instruments like you and me. But angels are mightier than we are and can do a lot more than we could for God. But God limited himself by using you and me. Now, <clears throat> Daniel chapter 2. What do you notice there? Daniel became a victim of the captivity 
of Israel. Prior to Daniel situation, Israel first was ruled by God as their king. You call that theocracy. Theocracy is God ruling through a man. God operating through a man. That's called theocracy. God ruled through a man. And then Israel said, I don't like that. I don't want that. And uh, they had judges because every man was doing what's right in his own what? In his own eyes, every man was doing what's right. And God says, just a minute, give them some judges. And so when the judges reigned, what do you think they do? They live for God. When the judges died, they went right back to where they were. In other words, they never had a conviction. They were not completely committed to God. Then they got the idea, looking around and saw the Philistines, who we are called Palestinians today. They saw them, and they saw the Babylonians, which we call Iraqis today, or the Kurds, which are the bees and the persons, or Iran today. They saw them with their kingdoms, and said, we want a king also that will go before us to battle. Well, it upset Samuel. Samuel said, well, God, I'm mad at these people. He said, don't be mad at these they didn't reject me, not you. Give them a king. They don't want me to be their king. Hey! And so God says, go ahead. And they chose Saul, King Saul, a Benjamite. And when he became king, the Bible said, <coughs> he disobeyed God, and God trashed him. And then God went to David, and little David made David king. And David was just a little shepherd boy, and they thought, well, what can he do as a king? But nevertheless, God was with him. He's from the tribe of Judah. Amen. Saul reigned 40 years. He was a good king in that he organized Israel. Administratively, he reigned over Israel, and not one person fought against him. He was the most powerful king they had. He was very powerful. Now, hear me now, church. And when he reigned, God said, I don't want him. Get rid of him. So he sent him for 40 years. Then he got killed, and then David took his place. David reigned for 40 years. How many years? How many years? 40 years as a king. And then David was going to die. They said, well, you know, God, we need a temple around here. And uh, God said, no, David, you can't build me a temple. You're just too involved with wars. He wants to build God a temple back here. And God said, no, I don't want you to do that. You killed too many people. But I tell you what, I'll give you a name that will last forever. But your son Solomon would reign in your place. And Solomon means Prince of Peace. And God says, I want a peacemaker to build my kingdom. And so David did all the material gathering, all the material takeoffs, and, and give it to his son and says, Build for me. So, so Solomon reigned for 40 years. It was 40 years. 40 years he reigned. And when he reigned, there was absolute peace. He was a world ruler. It took the Queen of Sheba six months crossing from Ethiopia to get to Jerusalem just to see this man. Six long months. That's how desperate she was to meet Solomon and to hear his wisdom. So she finally met him and said, Wow, the half has not been told. This guy is so smart. Now, he didn't go to Harvard or Oxford. <laughs> he just had a prayer meeting with God, and God changed everything in his life. Unfortunately, Solomon, the wisest man, 
had the dumbest son in the world. His name was Rehoboam. And Rehoboam came to the throne and Solomon had left them with heavy taxation. And so the people came and said, well, your daddy taxed us to death. We want a relief. Rehoboam did two things. He went to the young man and talked to him about what the people said. And they gave him bad advice. He went to the elders and the elders gave him good advice. to serve the people and they'll serve you. But guess what he did? He turned to his peers and did what they said. And a little opportunist called, you know, the prince of the gate. His name is Jeroboam. And Jeroboam saw a loophole here and said to Israel, Up, let's go. You've got no hope in Judah. And from that time, you end up from a united kingdom to a divided kingdom. Israel never recovered from that. That mistake went on for over several hundred years until the year 2080. Can you believe that? And so what happened here, God raised up Chaldeans. Do you know in, in, in the news today, right in Iraq, the Chaldeans or the Assyrians, who are called Christian today, in 721 B.C., they captured the northern tribe where Samaria was headquarters. Hello? And they took them into captivity and banished them around the world, and they never returned. Ten tribes lost tribes because of one guy's stupidity. Amen. He did something very bad and upset God, and God sent them all away, and so they're gone. Now, many years later, the, the southern tribe arrived, and they stayed there, and they lived for God, until some king began to follow the sister uh, states and did the same problem with God. And God raised up Iraq, or Babylon as we call it today, and spoke against them and said, this coming a fierce king, a wicked king, a king whose language you don't know, going to cause you grief and sorrow and pain. And they said, well, we don't believe it. And they stoned Jeremiah, and they, they got rid of Isaiah the prophet, and get rid of those guys who prophesied against the kingdom. But it was true. God's word was true. I told this morning, I've got to treat backsliders. He was very angry. And God said, I'm going to fix those boys and let them know I mean what I'm saying. God said, I'm going to burn down your temple. I'm going to burn down your houses and put your kings into captivity and your princes, etc. Which God did. Because, guess who came up? Nebuchadnezzar came with a mighty army and took away the best, the cream of the crop of Israel. And guess who's involved in that captivity? Even though innocent, Daniel. And his four friends. Can you believe that? They got banished away into Babylon. Now, hear me now. Babylon is where Abraham came from. From Ur of the Chaldees. So here is Daniel being carried back to his great, great, great father estate. Where Abraham came from against his will because he's in captivity and he's called upon in chapter 1 of your Bible Daniel look in there and the king said I want the best the cream of the crop to serve my kingdom I want the most intelligent the most intellectual and so they chose Daniel Shadrach Meshach and Abednego because these guys were smart kids and they said we are purpose in our heart we will not be defiled we're still Israelites we're Jews 
even though we're captive, our conscience is not captive, even. And I want to show you how God operates, church, and He still does today. In that school of the Babylonian system, modern day Iraq, these men purpose in their heart, we are not going to be defiled. Now, God will stand with you if you stand with Him. He died for you and me that we could live for Him. Hello? And you take one step towards God, you make a giant leap towards you. That's right. You go in the lion's den and you shut them out the line for you. Amen. And so Daniel and his friends said, we are not going to be defiled. And they were sincere and they were concerned about it. Now by this time, the Gentiles looked like they were in power and reigning and having all the authority. And God made these men, listen now, ten times smarter. Kids, hear me. You don't have to compromise your walk with God to pass the exams. You will not fail because you came to church. I said you will not be a dropout because you are involved in church activity. It is a lie. God, who has all knowledge and all wisdom, will show you the answer to the puzzle. When you open your cranium and open your heart, my friend, you'll be ten times smarter. Learn that quick. Amen. Praise God. God will show you things that your friends don't even understand. Because you are connected to Him. Alright, they make up their mind. Now church, when all that's going on is history unfolding. God is working through His people. And so they passed the test. Possibly when the king wanted to see them, they were ten times smarter. Let me tell you, on your job, when time for promotion, you will be promoted if you're godly. If you live for Christ, you don't live in vain. You live for self, you live in vain. Live for Christ, you live to gain. And so when they stood before the king, they were ten times smarter in science and language and ability because they were undefiled. I'm telling you, holiness don't make you handicapped. Righteousness don't make you a dumb head. I'm glad God gave us a brainwash and a heart wash. Oh, clap into Jesus. Now, church, there's a reason why God put Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in that palace. I want to tell you, your place of employment is a mission field. God placed you there for a divine purpose. Not just to make coins to put in your pocket. But God put you there to be a witness. To be a salt on that job. A light to God. When God opened that door for you, it was for the kingdom. You have been brought to the kingdom for a time like this. And you can't hide behind your career. Come on now. You're not too busy you can't work for God. Hey man, Nehemiah was not so busy for the king that he couldn't work for the king of kings. And so can we also. Your job should not hinder you. Your job is a gift from God. Hallelujah. 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 And so the Bible says the king had a dream. Now folks, chapter 2, go there. Please, you don't know this, but chapter 2 should be on CNN, CBC, ABC, and EFG, GI. 
H-I-A-K-11-O-P station. It should be right there right now. It really should be. Because everything you want to know, as it happened, is right there. As it happened, is right there. Amen. News report right now is in that chapter. You look in there right now, I'm going to shock you, man, and shock your socks off. Because it's in there that God has something for you. Hello? God has something for you in there. His Word is in there. And history is in there. I remember one guy in Jamaica. He saw this guy reading poems. And he was telling a lying story to people. You're going to be rich and have all this stuff. Well, you know, if he knew so much, why is he not rich? <laughs> you know, common sense, uh, this guy don't have it. Otherwise, he wouldn't be looking for your dime in your pocket. He must tell you lies, but he's reading all these poems and telling that nice story. And here come a guy came up and said, read mine too. He said, oh, no, I won't read yours. He, he sized him up by the spirit world of necromancy. He says, I ain't going to touch him. This guy is trouble. He said, oh, come on, read my poem. He said, no, 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 I won't read yours. He said, come on, man, it's going to be all right. So he looked at this poem. He said, you could be rich and have lots of houses and land, but the problem is you're too lazy. <laughs> and also, you're a little thief. <laughs> when the guy heard that, he slapped him across the face. He said, well, I told you! <laughs> I didn't want to read your head. He slapped him again. He said, listen, man, I made a mistake. You're not a little thief. You're a big thief. <laughs> well, the king had a dream. God sent that dream. He the same God who gave Pharaoh a dream and created the opportunity for Joseph. God knows how to open doors for you. And put you from the backstage to the front page. I say, God knows how to get you from the pit to the palace. God knows how to get you from the back to the front. He knows He'll give you the edge. We got an anchor that keeps our soul steadfast and sure while the bills roll. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to take this church's blessing of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. We don't have an obstacle. What Daniel had was an opportunity. The Chaldeans and the magicians, it was an obstacle. The king asking for something nobody ever asked for. And I hate when the world speaks for us. On the radio, they always got these dumb preachers to talk about God that they don't even know. And get dumb answers, you know, that computer, ego principle, garbage in, garbage out. Hello? And so they asked the wrong guy and got wrong answers. I said, you want the church world believe. You're wrong, honey. There's somebody you haven't talked to yet. Oh, King, nobody around here can ever do what you're asking. It, no man on earth. Hey, sir, speak for yourself. Don't you speak for us. Don't tell me that the, the God is a great mystery and nobody can understand it. I don't believe that. God showed it to us. God revealed it to us. God explained it to us. God gave us a revelation, my friend. To us, it's given to understand the mystery and the secret of God. God said to you it's given. To them it's not. I don't believe you're handicapped by knowledge of God. 
We know Him. And so the Bible said that the king got wise and said, You know what, boys? You Chaldean, you magicians, you soothsayers, tell me what I dreamt. And tell me what it means. And if you can't, I'm going to turn your house in a dung hill and hung you up all by your neck. You know, those Iraqis love to go for your neck. When you see a Babylonian hang on to your neck, they might steal it. They're headhunters. And that's not for a job either. They want to take your head off. Hello? <laughs> he wants their head. He's going to cut your head off. They say, oh, king, you're unreasonable. Just tell us your dream. And we'll tell you what it means. He said, oh, no. I know you guys plan to lie to me like you've always been doing. Hallelujah. <laughs> it reminded me of Ahab. For the first time, Ahab told the truth. When Mecca said, go up and prosper, he stopped him and said, tell me the truth. Because that was a wrong statement. He said, you want to lie to me? Tell me what I dream. And then tell me what it means. Well, king, nobody can do it. He said, okay, you watch this. Drop his hand. Soldiers, cut their heads off. Burn their houses down. And destroy their family tree. The king meant it. But here's the problem now. A Jesus named God called people are involved in the slaughter. If you ever want a reason why God has not burned this earth up yet, we're still here. And God told the angel, you can't do nothing until these get out. <laughs> that angel can't touch the blood. That blood said, don't come here. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. I'm trying to tell the blood still speak. I don't care what the doctor says. The question is, what does the blood say? Oh, hallelujah. The blood speak better thing than that of Abel. Hallelujah. And so the Bible said, the word got around, killed him, including Daniel and Shadrach and Benigo. And Daniel, no doubt, worshiping God heard what happened. And said, oh, what's the haste? I'll, a, a, word, a word of faith. I will tell the king the interpretation. You know, we can speak of things which are not as though they are. What we bound on earth is bound in heaven. What we loose on earth is loose in heaven. You can't tell me it won't happen. God confirming the word with signs following. Because the secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him. God has a secret. And God revealed it. He calls friends. The servants don't know what the Master is doing. Hallelujah. And Daniel and Shadrach and Mechanicus had heard it. And they went to their closet room and they start praying. Oh God of Abraham. Oh God of Isaac and Jacob. Don't let us perish with those magicians. Those Chaldeans. And those soothsayers. Our God is the living God. You know all things. And God responded. Aren't you glad? You don't have to count 96 beads and chant and mess around those dead rosaries aren't you glad huh you have to read your prayer just breathe the word 
Just read the word. Jesus. 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 And when we're called by his name, he's going to respond. Can somebody hear me? Jesus. There's power in that name. Jesus. There's authority in that name. Oh, there's healing in that name. There's deliverance in that name. Jesus. That's all he had to say. Six to four words. And the fire came. They start praying. And God start responding. I said, Daniel, let me tell you what this guy dreamed because God's the one that gave the dream. And God says, look, turn to your Bible right now, folks. Chapter 2. Look what God says. I'm going to tell you what it means. Go see the Nebuchadnezzar, verse 28. The God of heaven, that revealed secret, made known unto thee, O king. And the dream is certain. I'm going to tell you what it means. He says, verse 30, and when I tell you, verse 29, I said, what I'm telling you is going to come to pass. I want to tell you, church, when you mix faith with preaching, you're going to receive what you're reaching for. I said, preaching and reaching go together. Those who don't get are those who threatened and pray. Why worry when you can pray? Why worry when you can worship? I'd rather worship than worry. Come on, somebody. God didn't brought them this far to let them down. Come on now. That same God who made them ten times smarter can make them ten times better in vision. With 2020 vision. He said, as for me, O king, the secret was not made to me because I'm more holy than anybody else, but I belong to a holy God. Come on. Does this church understand the times? Church, if you don't know what your mom and dad is doing, then there's something wrong. At some time, there should be a family talk. Where the family get together at the table <coughs> and discuss the future. Lord, I lost you now. I guess there are no parents around here. You got no kids around here. Hello. The blessing of Abraham went down all the way down to the tribe of Levi. That's several generations of grandkids. Hmm. But there's a God who's going to tell you what it means. He said, oh king, what you saw? You saw a colossal image almost looking like Goliath. Remember how he looked? When the sun shined on Goliath, how do you think he looked? Scary. And the king is troubled because the king was wondering... What's going to happen after my kingdom is gone? And God says, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Every preacher, every parent should be thinking down the road to the next generation. What's going to be left behind for them to work with? And he's wondering about his kingdom. And God responds and said, let me tell you, king, what's going to happen to your kingdom and those that follow you. And God gave... Uh, the man called Nebuchadnezzar a peep down to my day today. I'm going to prove to you Nebuchadnezzar saw all the way down to 2014 and beyond. He saw the second coming long before the first coming. Now that's amazing for a guy who's not a Jew. For God to show him what you and I need to know. He said, look, O king, behold the great image that you saw. Now church, 
Why did God use the image? Because Gentiles worship what? Image. And God used the language they can respond to. That great image you see on the board right there, and the brightness of it, and its excellence, which was so terrible in his eyes, that the king wondered, what does it all mean? He said, the head is of gold. Here it is right here. He saw a big head. Anybody ever told you about the big head? I met many headhunters who always oh, want to destroy my head. Brother Neil has a big head. What's wrong with that? The bigger my head, better it is for me to see you, my friend. Hallelujah. And so, the head is of gold. And he said, Now, you also saw an image where the chest and the arms were of silver. Mm. And the third one, look right here, the belly and the thigh was what? Brass. And the legs were of iron. And the feet were of iron and clay. Now, church, is God trying to be artistic? Our God is using a symbolic term to reveal the status of humanity, the future. Now, America will never be a world power. She can only be a regional power. England can never be a world power. She can only be a regional power. Russia, China. As far as God is concerned, there will only be four superpower in the world. Hello? And three of them are history. And the one we're working with right now is hard for you to recognize it. But they are controlling you socially, politically, spiritually, and you don't even know it. He said, look, the legs are iron, strong, powerful, mean-spirited, break in the opposition. Now, God is trying to describe the qualities and the properties of those kingdoms that men around the world have to deal with. Now these, I'm not talking about regional power. These were world power. This one guy ruled the entire universe. The gold did. Hello? The silver power reigned around the world. It just so happened to be that the head represents Iraq, modern-day Iraq, and this represents modern-day Iran, and Greece is still Greece, and Rome is still Rome, and now Rome is divided into two. How many of you know that Rome was divided in the year uh, 64, 364 AD into two empires, the Eastern and the Western? How many knew that? And then it got further divided later on between the Eastern, the Greek church, and the Western division, that right here. And how many of you know that the ten toes is where we are today? Hello, we're in the ten toes today. 
Because the stone that we're talking about is going to hit this image right in the where? Toe. Now, it didn't hit it in the head because the Bible says David already hit Goliath in the head. But God rest the feet for us. Now, he said, now, O king, you are that head. And you are the superior. Can I tell you today that our work today is not in the golden age of humanity? This is the dirt age. The cheapest, the lowest of the low. Oh, science have increased our knowledge and da 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 da. But God said, no. The golden age is gone. You see, if you know chemistry and physics and metallurgy, gold have a specific gravity. Much different from the specific gravity of silver. Which is a lot different from that of brass. And different from that of iron. So what we're seeing is a decline of the kingdom of this world. Until it's finally going to crash and blow away. Don't get impressed with Caesar. He's just for a moment. Enjoy your Caesar salad. It won't be there forever. <laughs> Hallelujah. <coughs> now, so we know we're in a world where the world power can only be four. No more. The heavens declare that. You may have regional powers. I understand that. You may have east and west powers, but world global power, like in the days of Nimrod, where all nations were under one man. One man reign. And the only time we're going to see a restoration of one man reigning is in chapter 13 of the book of Revelation. And that will only happen in the days of the ten toes. But I want you to notice... No mention of an Antichrist in chapter 2. Please look. Please look. And you see, that's a later development of admission into the policy of the political nations. Now God said, Daniel, tell the king what he see. Romans chapter 11 and verse 25. Describe that image in one chapter and one verse, verse 25, it's called the times of the Gentiles. I won't tell you, you were a Gentile, I was a Gentile, but today I'm a Jew inward. I'm not a Jew in, bi in biology, but I'm a Jew amen in theocracy. This church is Israel spiritually, but not Israel geographically. Hallelujah. I'm son of Abraham by my new birth. I'm born again. The head of my pedigree is where? Luke chapter 3. I'm a continuation of the genealogy of Luke chapter 3. Look it up and you'll see it. Mm. Now, and so what we see here, this represents our world power. In the year 13, somewhere there in 13 or 15, 1453, 
Constantinople fell to the to the Muslims. The Ottoman Empire came into existence. How we knew that? And they captured Constantinople, and so the Pope went back to the West. Now you know the story about the Burning Wall. The Burning Wall had to come down for the ten toes to be in operation. Because two legs, one leg got five toes, and the other got five toes. And in the West, which is free, and the East, which was dominated by Soviet Russia, hello, and dominated by communism, could not fulfill the prophecy of Daniel. God brought down the burning wall, amen, and in the year 1981, it was written across the entire world magazine, and Greece became ten. Mm. And you probably read and don't know what's going on, because the Bible says the church people are sleeping. They have no idea what's going on. But in olden days, Daniel knew by book, 70 years was expired. Hallelujah. Why don't the church people know? We're still Austrian with our head in the sand. They don't even read this book. I can't understand they say. They can't see its relevance. Well, I'm going to tell you, church, let me show you exactly where you are right now. You are right in the ten toes. Look what's happening with the ten toes. Everything in Revelation, chapter 5 to chapter 19, are events to be transpired during the time of the ten toes. Mm. So what does that mean for me? What are things happening right now? The church must understand that the time of the Gentiles is running out. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, it became fully come because in the fullness of time God sent forth His Son in Matthew chapter 1. Born of the Virgin Mary. And when Pentecost was fully come, God became not Emmanuel, but God in us. There's a distinct difference between God with us and God in us. Praise God. God in us is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What was happening? God said, I'll visit the Gentiles and pick out a people for my name. What is his name? Jesus Christ. What is his name? Jesus Christ. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. And so the Bible said, Samaria heard the word. And in Acts chapter 8, we heard about the Ethiopian got baptized by Philip. Hallelujah. And they went down to Acts chapter 10. And we heard an Italian got baptized in Jesus' name and received the Holy Ghost. And they said, well, the Gentiles got the message. And since that time, since that time, long before the ten toes, we're in operation. Hello? Rome was in charge. Jesus Christ died on the Roman soldiers' bayonets. And the Bible said, in the days of the ten toes, a stone 
was cut out of a mountain. Let me explain to you what that means. The stone means Jesus Christ called a tried stone. A stone of stumbling. That means the incarnation of the deity of God in the personage of Jesus Christ. The mountain means the Godhead. And the stone means him coming out of himself and presenting himself without leaving himself and said, I am that I am. Before Abraham was, I am. And he that believeth on me, though he was dead, yet shall he live. And we're seeing, amen, the Gentiles rush right in and they take it by force. While Israel is dispersed. Now, church, if we are right here, it means there is a system in our world called the Maastricht Treaty. You folks ever heard it before? The Maastricht Treaty is a treaty of Rome. Amen. It's a recalling of the age of Shalmanese. Shalmanese was the world ruler of Europe. And Europe is trying to repeat that. Mohammed tried to get to Europe and couldn't do it. So he resorted to Africa and the desert. Now he's rising up again. But there is an ECM system that is in place that comes together. Now when the wall of the Berlin came down, we have communism and democracy come together. It's like mixing oil and water. The two cannot mix. And it says they will come together but can't stay together because iron and clay do not mix. And it shall be partly strong and partly weak. That if you look at the ECM right now, you'll find the Western Europe, even economy and military might are extremely strong. But the Eastern sector is weak. And so it's always vacillating. It's always shaken. They're together and yet not together. They can't find a common place. And they're struggling for, for continuance. And so they got the Euro dollar. And the Euro dollar come out of the fact that the burning wall is down. And when the burning wall is down, it allow even East Germany and West Germany come together and form what they call the leopard. And when the leopard says to come to place, then we know the woman, which is Rome, that's in the seven hills, sits on the economy of the Maastricht Treaty because it's called the Treaty of Rome. And here we are seeing those things happen and don't even realize what it really means. From a church standpoint, the next event to take place is that stone to cut out of the mountain. And the stone would have cut out was not yet catapult. David picked up five stones. There were five brothers. Amen. But Jesus Christ is the rock of what? Of ages and the rock of offense. So here we are. We are seeing the ten toes in operation. It's called the Maastricht Treaty of Rome or the ECM. But you don't know this. But our world today, when the, when the group of seven or ten or eight come together, what are they doing, church? They have divided up our world into ten divisions. And those ten divisions is to come under the EU system. 
You don't know it, but the 666 system is not going to be ruled by Canada or America. It will be ruled by Rome. And Rome will rule that thing through the beast of the Antichrist. And the world system will be in place before Jesus comes. Let's compare it to Jesus. So my point is, when shall this be? Daniel told us, it shall come to pass in the latter days. When shall it be? In the latter days. The question is, can we define the beginning of latter days? Can we define it? If you can define it, you can know what time it is. You can know where we are in the place of prophecy. And all the news you're hearing in the world are telling you how close you are. We don't know the date and the hour and the time, but we know the seasons. You know, some people, uh, when they take their shoes off, you can tell they're around. Now, I'm taking a Rome is taking her shoes off. And I can tell she's around. I'm going to prove to you. We call today Sunday. What does Sunday mean? Who gave you that name Sunday? It's not in your Bible. Sunday means the sun god. Monday means the moon god. And it goes right on. Is that right? Where does Easter come from? Not from God. You do it. Where does Christmas come from? Christ's mass. It's Christ's M-A-S-S. Where does it come from? Rome. Where does Santa Claus come from? And Father Christmas. You say, well, you lied to your kids that Santa came down the chimney. I got a better thought for your kid. The Holy Ghost descended from heaven. That's a better revelation. That's some big fat man coming through the... I got some pants I can't wear and I might go through a chimney. Hello? Church, this is serious matter. I'm trying to tell you the United Nation is a fulfillment of Zechariah 14.1. Go there and look there for yourself. I will gather all nations. Do you know how many times they make edict against Israel? Do you know how many times they want to put Israel on war crimes? Why is the land partitioned? Because you see, church, we are heading towards this. And Daniel chapter 2 tells us we're going to win the war. A stone was cut out of the mountain. Now, I know Trinitarians will say this. Upon Peter, this church is built. Not true. Peter made a confession about who Christ is. Hello. And he did so at a strategic place where Baal was worshipped. He said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. In other words, I'm going to build my church on the ruin of paganism. I'm going to wipe it out and build my church. And so when the stone came out of the mountain and went bang, you have to think David. When David picked up a stone, what did he do? He catapulted towards Goliath and hit him in the where? forehead. I'm trying to tell somebody there is a stone 
coming from heaven. It's not a meteorite. It's Jesus Christ, Mr. Right, coming down. Let's worship God. So, here we are, before we close. Daniel explained to the king, that head in those days was not history. Today is history. I said, today is history. Because this happened in 606 B.C. and ended in 536 for the head of gold. The brass, I mean the, the, the silver, reigned from 536 to 330 B.C. And the Grecian reigned from 330 to 323. Rome came on the scene in 30 A.D., and I mean B.C., and when they came, they drove out a young man called Antiochus Epiphany. Now, you folks don't know them, but I'll tell you more about him. He was a Syrian, a Syrian that offered swine's flesh up at a Jewish altar. If you read in the book of Daniel, chapter 9, 10, and 11, it will tell you more about it. And he forced the Jews to become what's called Hellenized, or the Greek mythologist. And the Grecian says, you got to serve our God. And the Maccabean family rose and said, We will not. When you read Zacharias, it talks about that. The four horns that fought against the four beasts. The four beasts are the beasts of Satan that came against Israel and tried to force them before Christ came, hallelujah, to worship uh, the pagan gods and the swinefish and all that stuff. And they fought and won the battle. Now, church, what does that mean for us? I'm trying to tell you, we are in the days of the ten toes. In the year 1948, here's where our trouble starts. Our trouble starts in 1948, when Israel became a nation. Every Palestinian got worked up. Because they came back to reclaim Jerusalem. They come back to reclaim the Temple Mount where the Temple Mount is, which is Mount Moriah. Let me show you how the Muslims pray when they're praying on Mount Moriah. The temple is behind them, the, the mosque, and they turn their back to it. Let me show you how they pray towards Mecca. They turn their face towards it. Now you interpret that. I want to tell you what it means. You ask them what it means. Amen. You never turn your back to the king. You never do it. You walk backwards. You turn your back to the lesser thing. Think what I'm trying to tell you right now. So, we've seen history take place. The burning wall came down. Soviet Union came down. Because there's no Soviet Union in the Bible. There's only Russia. Russo. Amen. And Meshach, Moscow. But there's no Soviet Union. God dismantled that. Hello? Because the time is right. And God want the leopard to be the leopard. So God brought down the burning wall. God brought down the burning wall so the ten toes can come to place. In 1981, it came into being. It's right now is in place. You go to, you go to Europe right now, and you can't spend United States dollars. Nobody wants it. Is that right, folks? We've been there. We couldn't spend it. Nobody wants it. They want the euro dollar. Well, the time is coming when all currency will bow to the euro dollar. In our time. So what should we be looking for? An antichrist? No. 
a stone cut out of the mountains. God showed that to who? <clears throat> a man from Iraq. Who's in the news today? Look who's in the news today. Iraq, Persia, Greece, Rome, Israel. Where are the wars? Right there. What does it mean, Pastor? It means we are seeing Daniel's prophecy coming to pass. Now, this is the king's vision. But we're going to read later on next week when the Daniel had his vision. They give you more detail that Nebuchadnezzar did not see. I want you to notice tonight that we are right here. That means we are in Revelation chapter 4. Go in the Bible and look at there, please. Look at the Bible right now. Chapter 4. That stone that's coming is Jesus Christ. Cut out of a mountain, and the Bible said, When that stone comes, it's a smite that image is going to collapse. So don't put your faith in the kingdoms of this world. It's going to fall apart. I'm going to limit my discussion to this because that's where Daniel limited his discussion. But we're going to go further and when Daniel talk about greater details that this king didn't know. Amen. I want you to step to four. What do you notice in Revelation chapter four? Chapter four, you're the shock of your life. This is the first time you're going to hear it. The book of Acts has no ending. All the other epistles do, except the book of Acts. The final chapter of the book of Acts is the book of Revelation. Revelation is not written to the churches, it's written to the pastors. And tell the pastor, get that church ready. Otherwise, I'll fight against it. I'll move their candlestick, I'll blot their name out, I'll spew them out, or they'll live with me. If you read the seventh epistle, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, those are epistles written to churches. There's a difference between God writing to the church and writing to the preacher of the church. And I'm saying woe to the preacher who does not read that book. Because the Bible ends this way. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him that hears say what? Come. And let him that understands say, Come. Because the time is short. That stone church is going to be the final battle of Armageddon. Church, did you know? God going to put the devil under your feet. You're going to cross his head. Hallelujah. Now, let's stand. I want you to know, the last apostle on earth was John. But the chief of all apostles was Jesus Christ. Right into the final apostle. And say, go tell my people this, that you have seen the stone. Hallelujah. Church, 
Have you ever heard a stone rolling down a mountain? It's a rumbling noise. You can't stop it. It's coming down with certain G-forces. It knocked everything out of its way. Jesus Christ is that stone that Daniel saw. Now, Daniel does not know the name Jesus Christ. But you know that stone came out from God. Praise the Lord. And I'm trying to tell you, beloved, we are in the last days. The last days are defined by the day when Christ came. God in the last days speak to us by His Son. God said, in latter days I'll pour my spirit. So latter days is past. Now we're in the latter time. And finally going to the last time. And we're right at the verge between chapter 4 and 5 of Revelation. Chapter 4 is the catching away of the church. This church is not in trouble. This church is going to win the battle. Daniel, amen, did what the others could not do. And I believe a Jesus-named church is going to understand the times when all the wise-hearted men can't tell what it means. God has somebody who could write and, I mean, read us on the wall. And it didn't say, any, 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 more, catch him by the device toe. It didn't say that. No, my friend. It said exactly what it meant because God told him what it meant. And God told Joseph what it told uh, the Egyptian king. And God's trying to tell you today what it means is coming soon. Can you worship God? He is coming soon. He's coming soon. With joy, we welcome His return. It may be the wrong key. It may be night or noon. We know He's coming soon. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. We joy. We welcome His returning. It may be more. It may be not our news. We know He's coming soon. Oh yes, He's coming soon. He's coming soon. We joy. We welcome. Return it, it may 